This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's a Christmas edition of the Flagship Podcast, Episode 12. How appropriate, the 12 days of Christmas. Taylor Estes, Managing Editor, Horns 24-7. On the sleigh with me. We got our reindeer pulling us. And by God, we hope that you're having, uh, we hope your chestnuts are roasting over an open fire and sugar plums are getting ready to dance in your heads. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. How are you? I mean... I think I'm delirious is what I am. <laughs> that was an interesting open. So yeah, maybe so. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe so. Maybe I need to, I'm, I'm like in the middle of wrapping presents. Every chance I get, I sneak off and try to wrap a few more presents. You know what drives me crazy? Do you like wrapping presents? Yeah, so I do, but I'm like really like OCD with certain things. So I almost like make it a game. <laughs> Sounds absolutely crazy. But I like to try to like match up the paper so it's like perfectly matched up with the other side. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking because that's probably really embarrassing that I just admitted that. <laughs> well, you're like my friend. I have a friend who's just like you. Mm-hmm. and she loves to rap. I'm like, I will pay you to rap <laughs> my presents. Because here's what happens. You wrap the big presents or whatever, mm-hmm. right? The, the you know, medium-sized presents, like a shirt box-sized present. Right. And then, and then you get to those stocking presents. Or maybe I should stop talking. But <laughs> it's those... Stocking presents, that, and I, I need to reverse it and do the stocking presents first one year. But um, yeah. yeah, by the time I get to those, I'm just like my mind is coming apart, which it may already be. <laughs> well, I you mean, can always leave stuff- those for Santa, though, so he can wrap well, well, exactly. the stocking presents. That's a great point. So I'm just not even going to worry about it. <clears throat> yeah. Santa will um, be the hero, like always. Santa's always like a always. hero. So. That's right. Like always. All right, so it's December 23rd. Do you have a favorite Christmas special, Christmas tradition that you do? So every Christmas Eve, my family and I will dress up in Christmas pajamas. And, like, you know, we always try to say, like, oh, it's our, like, cute, like, Christmas little, like, you know, type of uh, tradition. But really it's kind of just, like, a time where, like, the adults get a little toasty. Um <laughs> <laughs> like I was thinking about this last year. So we're all dressed up, you know, like I was wearing like a reindeer onesie and I'm like looking around and my nieces and nephews are there and they're like talking about these jello shots. So we, we have the jello shots and the red ones are for adults. The green ones are for children. So like red means stop, you know, it means there's other um, goodies in there than just the jello. <laughs> And so, like, it's always, like, a really weird sight to see a child. Did you take say Everclear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 
Like, it's just really weird to see them, like, just, like, tilting their head back, taking these jello shots. But then the other day, I'm, I'm um, at my parents' house right now in California for the holidays, and um, my nieces and nephews were talking about Christmas Eve, and they're like, yeah, I can't wait to have these jello shots. And I was just sitting there like, maybe we need to kind of reverse it here, because yeah. it sounds real weird to hear, like, a six-year-old be, like, excited for a jello shot. Yeah, call them jello cups. Yes, hey, jello kids. cups. Jello cups. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so that that's kind of ours. I don't know what that makes us, but uh, we have fun. That's all I know. So oh, it's yeah. a good time. Well, then <laughs> at that you? point in the whole process, talking about wrapping and <laughs> shopping and traffic and yeah, you're ready for some Jell-O cups. You know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jell-O cups are on the docket every single year. What about you? What's your uh, Christmas tradition? So um, w- when my mom was alive, we did this. Christmas Eve uh, program where we would have the neighbors in and everyone would read, uh, you know, like uh, towards the night before Christmas and yes, Virginia and all the big Christmas classics. Um, and every, everyone in the neighborhood would read something. It was great. My sister would play the piano. Um, now we're all over the place. My mom is, you know, no longer with us. So basically my daughter and I are, are, binging Netflix Christmas specials. Right. And and then I have to see the Grinch. The cartoon okay. Grinch, not the movies, the old cartoon Grinch with the the heart three sizes too small and the dog turned reindeer and I just the dog, I love the dog. <laughs> you know, he's just got those big eyes. He's so excited. He thinks he's going to get on the sleigh and go down the mountain. And then it turns out he's got to pull the thing. Yeah. That, that poor little dog. <laughs> With the, the, the Whoville. Sydney yeah. Lou in them. When I was younger, people used to make fun of me saying I look like Sydney Lou Who, especially when the, the, uh, um, oh goodness, Jim Carrey version of The Grinch came out, the girl that played Sydney Lou Oh, Lou. yeah. I'd like make this face be like, oh my gosh, you look like Cindy Lou Who. I'll have to. I don't, I don't post it publicly because it's kind of embarrassing because I like actually do look like it. When uh, I look at it. Oh yeah, you gotta. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Texas fans, now that they know all about our Christmas, we hope you all have a great Christmas, and hopefully, um, as you embark on the new year, if you're not an annual member at Horns Twenty Four Seven. You'll give yourself that gift so that you get VIP access to all the team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network and uh, CBS All Access. And it just changes the game in terms of your experience uh, in the 24-7 Network. Like, we're talking to Pat Murphy today from Bucknuts because Mike Yersich, as we reported um, on Sunday, is... Uh, according to our sources, the leading candidate to become the next offensive coordinator at Texas. Well, if you're an annual member at Horns 24-7, you have VIP access to Bucknuts and what's going on on their message boards. So uh, it's just a great time to upgrade and and become an annual member so that you get all the perks of, of being a part of the 24-7 family. Absolutely. Just- you know, that like keeps on giving, you know? Right, right. Um, so, speaking of Mike Yersich, Taylor, we've got, um, we'll, we'll talk to, to Pat Murphy about it, but 
in in a lot of ways, I feel like this is a better fit for Tom Herman, for Texas, for you know the offensive coordinator at Texas than Graham Harrell because as we talked about last week in sort of pulling back the curtain about why things didn't work out with Graham Harrell, there needed to be a level of excitement from Graham Harrell to mesh concepts, his air raid passing with Tom Herman's power spread. And there needed to be an excitement there from, from Harrell um, for, you know, those two concepts to come together and maybe, get toward what Lincoln Riley's doing in Norman. And at the end of the day, Harold wanted to kind of stick with what he knew, stick right. with the embattled coach. He knew over the embattled coach. He didn't, but in a lot of ways, I feel like Mike Yersich is a better fit. I mean, this is a guy who was hired by Mike Gundy. Kudos to Mike Gundy for going online and studying prolific small school offenses and found Mike Yersich at Shippensburg University. Gundy tells a funny story about how he like had trouble literally tracking him down. Like no one would answer the phone in the Shippensburg <laughs> football office. Then when he finally got a hold of someone, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, he's out recruiting. He's like, Well, how do I get a hold of this guy? You know, I'm trying to reach him. Yeah. And, and then finally they they got together and and Yersich goes to Oklahoma State for six years. He's the play caller. Prolific offenses, Mason Rudolph, uh, five of his six years there, top 20 scoring offenses. And they handled Texas during that time, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, um, after last season, Ryan Day calls him from Ohio State, uh, more than doubles his pay, and off he went to become the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Ohio State. And so he's helped develop Justin Fields, who all he did was throw for 40 touchdowns with one interception on the number one offense in all of college football. That's it. That's all he did. (laughs) I think it's a I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, I think in in like a perfect world, I feel like it would be good for Texas to bring in like a Graham Harrell and have an entirely different offensive scheme, just because you've seen it work in the PAC 12 um, Graham Harrell entirely turned around the USC offense in just one year. But you know, if he's not willing to, how you said, like kind of mix, mix brews a little bit, I guess you could say with Tom Herman's concepts. I mean, the reality is this probably is not going to be whoever the offensive coordinator is probably not going to be his offense is going to be a mixture of what Tom Herman wants to do. And then the philosophies, the offense coordinator brings in, you know, if Graham Harrell wasn't willing to do that, then that from the get go is going to cause a problem. And I think that at this point, Tom Herman can't afford to have any more problems, especially if it's on his staff. I mean, he has one reset. I, in my opinion, he has one reset to get this thing right. And if there is, you know, conflict. We've seen it in staffs. You know, Max staff in 2010 was a little bit of a conflict too. So I think that, you know, it's a good, um, it's a good sign. I think that Texas is in the mix with the situation with Mike Yersich. You know, according to some of our sources that we talked to, sounds like Tom's been vetting him a little bit more, talking to his former employers about what he can bring. Um, you know, he's doing his due diligence. And I think that 
if Texas can land him, I think it'll be a good fit. Um, he'll also be able to regain play calling duties because he's not doing that currently at Ohio State, but he did at Oklahoma State. So I think that'll be, you know, kind of another weight off of Tom Herman's shoulders um, as it pertains to being, you know, an offensive minded head coach. I think that the play calling duties clearly caught up to him. Um, I think it was very clear that he was in over his head and the regression that was constant this season that Texas fans saw week in and week out as the year went, you know, progressed, the offense regressed. And it just showed that I think Tom Herman was in over his head. So it'll be good to see, you know, if, if he can find the right guy that's going to be a good mixture for what he wants to do offensively from a philosophy standpoint, and then also be able to dedicate time to throw new wrinkles into the, you know, the offensive game plan and not just be vanilla, kind of what you saw from Texas with Tom Herman calling the plays. Um, but, you know, Chip, I want to I want to get yours and Bobby's thoughts more. Bobby Burton, the godfather of the recruiting industry, uh, publisher of Horns 24-7. Let's bring him in and get both of your thoughts on Mike Yersich and uh, where Texas is going right now. Bobby Burton. Bobby, we are two days out from Christmas. How you holding up, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Got all the presents bought. Got to wrap them. That's always in other words, I'm on schedule. Perfect. On schedule. Perfect. Yeah. How are you doing, Chip? Hey, you know what? Um, I got a lot of wrapping to do tonight. No doubt about it. So um, that's that's my that's my uh, that's my plan for tonight, uh, along with continuing to bird dog our our topic. Of the day, um, we talked about Chris Ash last week. Chris Ash uh, officially announced as the defensive coordinator at Texas, and now Tom Herman looks like he's going back into the scarlet and gray, um, you know, candidate pool. According to our sources, Mike Yersich, the former Oklahoma State offensive coordinator called plays for Mike Gundy for six years before going to Ohio State this season as passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, the leading candidate to become the next offensive coordinator at Texas. So, Bobby, what does Mike Yersich do for you? Well, I mean, frankly, I don't know him uh, that well other than uh, his body of work at at, uh, Oklahoma State, which uh, was on the face terrific. Um, on its face was just absolutely outstanding, whether it was developing Mason Rudolph or his use of guys like J.W. Walsh that uh, allowed him to do some different things. Um, but frankly, I, I mean, I'm more concerned that his he, he wasn't, uh, I don't know how to put this other than, it's my understanding that at the end of it, Gundy was calling plays and he was told to go find another job. Is that true or, so, or false? I mean, that's just what I was. Is that, that's what I was told by a, a staff member at the time at, at Oklahoma State. But uh, you know, those things can be mixed and measured. And does that erase everything he did the first five years at, at uh, Oklahoma State? I'm just not sure. So, well, I think, um, and this, and I uh, talked to. Um, I mean, Mike Holder, the athletic director at Oklahoma State, and he told me that Gundy 
loved Yursich, thought he was a high character guy, didn't want to lose him, but knew he was going to lose him uh, eventually because they weren't going to be able to throw $900,000 at him um, like Ohio State did. And and that everything was, um, you know, great terms. So I don't know if that was some folks at Oklahoma State trying to, um, you know, put a positive spin on losing your sitch or, or what. But the sense I'm getting from, you know, people who would tell me um, was that 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 was a solid relationship, that your sitch is a nose to the grindstone guy. Uh, who worked really hard and, as you just pointed out, turned out top 20 scoring offenses in five of his six seasons, including the number four scoring offense in 2017, Mason Rudolph's senior year. So, um, you know, I think, you know, after the flirtation with Graham Harrell, and we talked last week how that, you know, there needed to be excitement from Graham Harrell about meshing ideas, concepts, his air raid passing concepts with Herman's power spread concepts to maybe get toward what Lincoln Riley's doing in in Norman. And at the end of the day, Graham Harrell just wasn't as excited about that um, sort of leap uh, and instead felt more confident about his relationships with Keaton Slovis and and Clay Helton, for that matter. with Yersich, this this is a guy who goes in, you know, I got hired out of Shippensburg University by Gundy to run Gundy's offense with his terminology, did that, did it really well, and then gets hired by Ryan Day at Ohio State to go help run Ryan Day's offense, also a power spread, and he's the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and Justin Fields has 40 touchdowns and one interception on the number one offense in college football, so it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty uh, good body of work for for Yersich if if Herman can reel him in. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I just, I'm again, I, I'm I'm somewhat. I, I just don't know what to think because I don't know him that well. You know what I'm saying? All I see is is what I've seen as a as a as what he's done. Um, if if this is the guy, then this is the guy. Uh, he certainly um, can be somewhat of a chameleon, like you're talking about running different t- types of offenses, not just his own. Um, and I think really one of the most underrated aspects is, is a guy that's called plays in the Big 12 because they know what it means to keep piling on the points, right? I mean, that's that's something that you can't take away from a guy in the Big 12 compared to other conferences where, you know, they're trying to get to 24 and, in the Big 12, you're trying to get to 40, you know. So, right, right. Uh, I, I think that he knows how to keep the the pedal to the metal, um, and so, I, I, you know, that alone ha- has some value in my opinion. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, just I want to see it, uh, just like everybody else. I mean, that's not abnormal. I think that. You don't know if he may have fit with Mike Gundy and may have fit with Ryan Day. Is he going to fit with what? Tom Herman wants to do well let's let's find out so yeah yeah um and obviously I think what we saw with Jeff Halfley uh who is a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State he just got the Boston College job he's 
he's still with Ohio State. Obviously, they're playing in the semifinal of the college football playoff against Clemson this weekend. And Day has basically said Halfley can do Boston College things when he's not on Ohio State time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if this Yersich, if if Yersich proves to be the guy, and I think that's where it's headed, uh, that we don't hear an announcement uh, until after the semifinal game against Clemson. Um, and maybe even not if Ohio State advances to the to the national championship, maybe not until then. So um, interesting times right now for Tom Herman, who said on signing day that it, it may play out a while because some of the coaches he, he's interested in uh, are still coaching. And that's yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it, his last hire was from Ohio State and it didn't go so well on offense. <laughs> I, I think. True. My point here is I, I'm I'm certainly willing to give anybody the, the benefit of the doubt. I don't think that's I don't think that's any any question. My question is, OK, if this is the guy, then this is the guy. Let's let's ride and see what happens. I, my, my worry here is that um, at some point this year, Texas didn't need. Texas needed to get players in space more with more room to, to move. And, and I don't know that, that this, a a different style of this offense is, is necessarily what was needed. Um, And that's just my, my point, I guess, is not, they needed somebody to help run Tom Herman's offense or make it his own or what have you. I, I thought Texas needed to move a little bit away from from this style of offense and and start trying to get its its uh, receivers in particular in space um, a little bit more often moving as opposed to digs and and stuff like that so a lot more crossing routes a lot more combination routes um, on a side of the field just that sort of thing as opposed to let's just keep going with this this spread uh, power spread so to speak. Yeah, and power spread um, is what uh, Yursich is has run and what he's comfortable with, as opposed to Graham Harrell, who would have been meshing ideas and sort of embarking on a new adventure. Oh, or, uh, or 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 Joe Brady. I mean, that that's really where I thought, not necessarily from Joe Brady, but that's the style of offense that. That to me looks like the future where it's going. Because if you have a, a quarterback that, that can really toss the ball around, I think that offense, whether you look at the Joe Burrow and what he did with LSU or the Saints and what they've done with Drew Brees over the last seven, eight years, I mean, I, 10 years, I think that's where offense is going on, on that level. Yeah. And I mean, certainly what Ohio State's done this year, um, I didn't think. I didn't see Justin Fields being 40 touchdowns, one interception good. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. But, you know, at, at some level, uh, Justin Fields was number one ranked quarterback in the country coming out, too. So so right. it's not like he right. was chopped liver as a recruit, first of all. Second of all, he's being put into a situation where he's surrounded by uh, multiple um, draft picks on at, at every position basically 
So I, I think there's a supporting cast issue there that allows that sort of thing to, to be uh, more uh, impactful. And, you know, you put him on, you have the same offense and you're at Maryland, for example, and he's not 40 and one, he's, you know, 25 and 20, you know, right. in my opinion, it's not, even if you have a style of offense and uh, a coach, I mean, that, that's just a different, different kind of thing. Um, Bobby, we're also at the end of a decade here. And I don't know if this is a, a decade. Well, probably is that Texas fans want to put in their rear rear view mirror. Um, but any thoughts as we uh, put the finishing touches on. Yeah, that that's a good question. I mean, it, obviously the, the, I, I look back at this decade and I, I think of the loss of the Texas Texas A&M rivalry, uh, the implosion of the big 12. Um, uh, those are two, uh, you know, I implosion of the big 12, I guess it's still living, but as, as it was initially um, iterated, uh, the big 12 is now, uh, no longer. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I think that the way I look at all of this chip and, and I'm, you know, I'd love to get your opinion too, is I, I just feel like it, it changed college football about 10 years ago, eight years ago now, I guess. And I'm not sure it did it for the best. Um, and that doesn't have anything necessarily to do. Well, it, it does have to do with Texas, but it has to do with everybody. Um, and now we have the name image and likeness issue coming around with college athletes, which I happen to be on their side, uh, in that, that argument, but it certainly tears at the fabric of what college sports was alleged to be. And, and so I think that the upheaval we saw at the beginning of the decade, we're continuing to see it at the end of the decade. And I, I just, I wonder what we're going to look back at 10 years from now at 20, you know, at 2020 or 2030 or whatever you want to call it um and say okay is this really um is this where college sports is going yeah and i i agree with you from i realignment has been a disaster for tradition and history um especially i mean the biggest rivalry to get torn up in this is texas texas a&m 100 year rivalry they you know, both schools talk about each other in their fight song. I mean, the fact that they're not playing anymore to me is a, a travesty. I know a bunch of our members at Horns 24-7 have differing opinions on, you know, good riddance to the Aggies and whatnot. But you went to those games. You got excited for those games. You, you, you set aside your Thanksgiving holiday, students did, to stay on campus to go to that game. And Texas is no longer going to going to play on Thanksgiving or the Friday after Thanksgiving uh, because that game did not appeal to the fans when it was against TCU or Texas Tech. So um, I think it's a, a travesty. I'm with you on that. I think the, the image and likeness piece, I agree with you. We're headed there and we should because college football, sad but true, is the pro football farm system. Baseball has minor leagues, hockey, NBA, football. NFL has college football, and and that we need to get 
you know, we need to get there. I think that the playoff is going to expand to eight before we have meaningful realignment again, because look, we're getting to the point now where, um, and I've said this for years that the power five is probably going to have to come back together. You're going to have to get the commissioners out of this thing. You have to get one college football commissioner who has great vision and can get all the power five together uh, to, you know, market their media rights collectively like the NFL does. You're going to have to lobby Congress to tell them that this is for things like a concussion database, better health insurance for student athletes, even after they're gone from college and, you know, to really um, financially improve the situation, have image and likeness be scalable uh, because we were headed there with a federal judge's ruling that ended up getting turned over on appeal. Uh, but that's that's where we're headed. And I, I do think that we're going to get to an 18 playoff probably in 22 or 23 before the, you know, the next wave of media rights uh, ag- agreements come through. So, um, you know, and I think that will, the question then is, okay, who's in, who, you know, are we ever going to get to a point where we're kind of cherry picking and maybe dropping some schools from, um, what we know now as the power five, um, or, or is this it? And then, you know, we go from there, but if we get to that point where the, Power Five is collectively bargaining. You can put geographic sense back into it, um, and and put Texas and Texas A and M, put them back together again. Put rivalries back together again. And- hey, Chip, Chip, it's not just. I, mean, I want to say this, okay? And I hear Texas, Texas A and M, and I, I, I do think that that's a game that needs to play. But what about Texas and Arkansas? Right, Texas I, I and mean, Arkansas. Th- that was played. That was a great. I mean, I enjoyed going to those basketball games yep. back in the day. I mean, it wasn't just football. And so I, I, I feel like um, that sense has been out of whack. I mean, now Texas plays Iowa State in Kansas instead of uh, A&M and Arkansas. I mean, it just uh, I think that. I think that that's been an issue. I think that as we even go in further, Chip, that um, – I, I'm hearing that ESPN apparently is going to is going to buy the game of the week for the from the SEC away from CBS, um, and I don't have any inside information here other than what some people have speculated. But it sounds like that's going to go for three hundred million dollars a year. Some of the guys that are in college, it is a farce. Whether you and I agree with it or other, you know, college professors or not, administration would agree with that. It is. I mean, some of it's so farce. And so um, it doesn't mean it should be. It just is. So what yeah. should we do in, in, in reality? I mean, is that where the XFL comes in or some other uh, league or uh, piece of the pie that, that can be given to, to kids that certainly don't even want to go to college to try to better themselves that way? And, and we can't we can't force people to do something they don't want to do. Right. And no league has been able to endure. None. None so, because of the power of college football, which suppresses the pay of its, you know. So I, I, I get it. It's a, it's a mad circle, and it has been for a while. 
but it's because we have an antiquated system. Um, and I don't know that the NBA has a true, I mean, I know they have a D league, but you know, I, I still think I look at it and college basketball is as big a one as any. The only difference is now is that you, you have the international element that, that plays such a role in, in the NBA, um, right. the preponderance of, uh, of, U.S. basketball players are still coming through the college ranks, not through the D League. Yeah, or G League as they call it now. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that shows you. That shows you about where I'm at. Hey. But you, you get my point, right? Oh yeah. Is that I think that I, you, we look back ten years from now, what's it going to look like? And I, I, I mean, you followed this for a living for thirty years, probably Chip, and I have too. And the fact that we don't really know is pretty telling in my opinion yeah um i think that that says that we could be in for an interesting 10 years yep well bobby i always enjoy the conversation have a great christmas and all of our members at horns 247.com need to uh well get some stiff eggnog ready <laughs> for some of the ready content for Mike Gersich. <laughs> that's right well yeah for, for a lot of things Hey, shock take of basketball, it. all of take, it. Oh, shock of basketball. <laughs> hey, but Karen Aston's team beats number one Stanford this weekend. So, hey, there's there's a little optimism in the in the basketball world on the 40 acres. Yes, there you go. Hey, uh, good, Merry Christmas, Chip, and uh, take care of those kids, okay? All right, you got it. There right, he bye. is. Bobby Burton, the godfather. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, joined now here on the flagship podcast by Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts.com. Bucknuts does an amazing job covering Ohio State. And, of course, if you're an annual member at Horns 24-7, you get VIP access to Bucknuts. And what a great time to be kind of checking out what's going on there since Texas is apparently trying to become uh, Ohio State 2.0 with Tom Herman uh, Chris Ash and possibly Mike Yersich. Um, Pat, first of all, Merry Christmas. Thanks for taking a little time for us. Absolutely. I'm happy to help. So Mike Yersich, um, he comes to Ohio State as passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And what exactly does that mean in terms of what he does along with Kevin Wilson, along with Ryan Day? Yeah, the, the offense um, has certainly this year been 
Ryan Day's offense. You know, he took over obviously for Urban Meyer, um, put his own spin on on things um, after being the the quarterbacks coach and off, co-offense coordinator the last few years. Um, but they have the three you mentioned, Yersich, Wilson, and, and Day have have collaborated on how they want to do this. Now, Day has been the play caller this year. He said at the beginning of the season he wanted to do that this season and see how it worked. And you know, he might in subsequent years pass that off to, to either Wilson or Yersich. So. Um, you know, Yersich has worked very closely with the quarterbacks. Justin Fields has talked about him quite a bit in terms of uh, helping him develop throughout the year. He's, uh, you know, been very good in, in bringing a kid who was obviously very talented coming out of high school, but didn't do a ton as a freshman when he was down at Georgia to, you know, what was a Heisman Trophy finalist uh, this year. So, um, yeah, the, the main role for him has been the quarterbacks, but he certainly is involved with the offensive game planning, helps with um, you know, the, the play calling on game day from, from up in the booth and, and whatnot. And, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's been a, a key part for Ohio State's success this year offensively. How does his personality fit in? I know, um, well, I haven't spent a lot of time around him. Kevin Wilson, I know, is, a, is an offensive line coach. He's a rough and tumble guy. He was at OU uh, with Stoops and you know, he's a, a tough, hard-nosed guy. How would you describe Yurcich's uh, personality? Similar to, to Kevin Wilson. Um, you know, he's, he, he doesn't say a lot. You know, I, I think you can, uh, you can tell he's, he's very focused on his job. You know, he's, anytime we've talked to him media-wise, you know, he's not, you know, that's not the part of the job that, that he's, you know, big on in terms of, you know, talking about stuff. He, he just wants to get to work. And it's, it was very clear about that early on. And while that make my, my life a little difficult, uh, you know, in terms of writing stuff, I think it's beneficial, you know, for the team. He, uh, he's very focused on, on getting, um, you know, the, the quarterbacks as, as good as they could be this year um, and helping with the offenses I mentioned, you know, kind of a nose to the grindstone type of guy um, from everything I understand. So uh, definitely a hard worker. Uh, you know, we, we didn't really get a ton out of him in terms of getting to know him personality wise, uh, like some of the other coaches this year, but I think that's just kind of how he is. He, he, he wants to kind of separate the, the business um, and his, his work stuff from, from the media. And so, you know, he's, he's going to answer questions when we ask, but you know, he's, uh, he's there to do a job and, you know, obviously did it, did it pretty well this year, I think. Talking to Pat Murphy of bucknuts.com, our Ohio state site about Mike Yersich, who's, According to our sources, the leading candidate uh, for Tom Herman as offensive coordinator. Of course, he, Yersich, was at Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy, was hired out of Shippensburg University as a, a guy who was putting up prolific offenses at a smaller school, came in, learned Gundy's terminology, and worked within the framework of Gundy's offense. And Pat, it Sure, obviously seems like Yersich did that again at Ohio State. He came and fit into Ryan Day's offense. When Ryan Day um, talked about Yersich coming to Ohio State, what was what was said? And then we'll get into maybe how he's helped Justin Fields this year. Yeah, I think they were they were excited for this. You know, Ryan was looking for somebody he thought would fit into that mold, as you mentioned, with the, with the offense they wanted to run, um, you know, and it was going to be a little bit different than what, what Urban Meyer did. And, you know, so he looked at a guy in, in the Big 12 who had had success in, 
you know, a, a heavy um, spread, passing the ball around, um, getting, you know, getting guys out in space type of offense. And, and, you know, that's, that's what they've run this year. So um, I think that, you know, it was, it was clear early on that, that coach day was, was excited about what, what coach Yersich was going to bring um, the success that he'd had with quarterbacks at Oklahoma state, you know, Ohio state was in kind of a tricky situation at that point in time with, with Dwayne Haskins leaving. Um, I think when, when Mike was hired, Justin Fields hadn't officially transferred yet, though it, it looked like it was, uh, you know, going to happen. And there was speculation on, on what Tate Martell would do. So, um, you know, getting the right quarterbacks coach was, was important. You know, you wanted a guy that could come in um, and, and work with these guys, you know, whoever it was going to end up being uh, that spring, because, you know, you had to get them ready. There, there wasn't Dwayne Haskins coming back. So it was important to get the right hire. And they felt pretty confident at the time that, you know, this was this was a guy who was going to help these quarterbacks develop and, and help run this offense. And then, I mean, obviously, Justin Fields, my goodness, you know, 40 touchdown passes, one interception on the number one offense in college football. What, if anything, can you give credit uh, to Mike Yersich for in that? I certainly think he deserves a, a good amount of credit. Now, Ryan Day still works very closely with the quarterbacks, you know, being a quarterbacks coach um, previously in his own right, but you know, his responsibilities have to go elsewhere as well, being the head coach now. And so Yersich was somebody he, he trusted to, uh, to handle that. And Justin Fields has talked m- multiple times this season about how work, how he believes working with, with coach Yersich and coach day, um, have helped him develop, you know, I mean this, like I said, obviously there was a lot of talent there. It was just getting it, you know, to do the right things, make the right decisions, um, fit into the offense, that type of thing. And, you know, Yersich deserves a lot of credit. That's, that's one of the um, guys Justin Fields was around the most this year and you know, is, is uh, someone he worked with closely. I think that, you you know, it's, it's fair to say that you know, Yersich had a big part of, of the success that he had, the development that he made this year. In terms of recruiting, mm-hmm. did you get a sense of how uh, Yersich is on the recruiting trail? I think that's probably the, the one knock um, from, from what I understand. He, you know, Ohio State just secured two four-star quarterbacks in this class. So, you know, this might sound weird, but I, I, I don't think he's as, a, as tenacious of a recruiter as, uh, you know, you, you'd like at a big program. Um, now, I don't think that that's necessarily a huge drawback if you have other guys that can go out and, and do that. And, you know, he can kind of focus on more of the, the football side of things and then, you know, do his part in recruiting. But from my understanding, he was not, you know, a, a crazy great recruiter. Ohio state had other guys that, that handled a lot of the stuff with the quarterbacks. He was certainly involved. I don't want to make it sound like he wasn't, he's a part of why they landed two two four-star kids in this class. But yeah, he's, he's not, you know, one of those guys that, you know, I, I would say, um, you know, just just recruits tenaciously. That's that's you know, grinding at it all the time. As I mentioned earlier, you know, he's he's very, you know, wants to get wants to work in the, the football side of things. And you know, I think that's kind of reflected in recruiting. But then again, like you know, Ohio State's been very successful this this last class with quarterbacks. So you know, he he, he did have a part of that. I, I don't want to take away from it entirely. But I think you know, he's not a guy who's going to 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 land you a ton of of recruits. He'll do his part, but uh, my understanding, he's not, he's not a crazy recruiter. 
Uh, talking to Pat Murphy of Bucknuts.com, uh, 24-7's Ohio State site. Of course, talking about Mike Yersich and the the uh, um, the fact that our sources indicate Yersich is the leading candidate to become Tom Herman's offensive coordinator. Um, what you 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 and I were talking a little bit before, and when Jeff Halfley left as co-defensive coordinator to become the head coach at Boston College. There was a, a sense that maybe that was it for the staff shuffling. Um, so, you know, I I guess, you know, Yersich called the plays at Oklahoma State. He's not calling the plays there at Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State's getting ready for a, a semifinal in the college football playoff. How would, uh, how would Ryan Day handle this, do you think, if Yersich indeed becomes the guy at Texas? I think there's a lot of questions that would have to be answered there. You know, Jeff Halfley is staying around um, through however far Ohio State makes it in the college football playoff. And, and Ryan Day made it clear when, when that whole thing happened that Halfley will have to handle his, his Boston College stuff on uh, you know, non-Ohio State work hour time. So assuming that Yersich wants to, you know, and they agree to, to, if this happens and he agrees to stay on, which I imagine, you know, you'd, you'd want to, given that the chance to win a national championship, I, I would think something similar would be worked out. Um, you know, Jeff Halfley is going to become a head coach as opposed to, um, you know, the potential offensive coordinator. So obviously, you know, Mike Yersich wouldn't have to handle, um, you know, building a staff and things like that. Uh, but it would certainly be, um, you know, an, an another interesting distraction for Ohio State uh, going into the semifinal game against Clemson. Um, and from the Texas perspective, you know, how quickly does Tom Herman want him on the ground getting, you know, acquainted with, with everything down in Austin, um, you know, starting to build relationships with recruits, starting to build relationships with the players there, um, you know, that, that type of stuff. You know, those, those are all questions that I think we have to wait to see, uh, you know, if, if this ends up happening, you know, we'll, we'd find out more then. But, uh, yeah, certainly this, this raises a lot of questions. And like, like you mentioned and like we talked about earlier, I don't think this is something Ryan Day saw uh, coming. You know, I, he, was, he was pretty candid with us after the Jeff Halfley thing that in terms of their assistant coaches, um, they didn't expect to lose anybody. They might lose a, a, a quality control coach or two. But, um you know, this, this, it sounds like came, came much more from the Texas side of things. And as it, as it is built, um, I imagine Ohio state got word of it, but at the time, and this was last Monday, I want to say a week ago, uh, you know, it, it didn't sound like any, any, there were any plans about this. So, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. We, we are out here in, in Arizona and we'll get some of the assistant coaches, um, here later this week and Ryan day at the end of the week. And I'm sure this will come up. So, you know, we'll obviously, keep uh keep people informed as as much as as we know um on our side of things but it does certainly raise some questions about how everything will be handled well we appreciate that uh pat murphy for sure um, with your uh great reporting there at bucknuts.com chris ash there's some speculation that if halfley uh went to boston college as has happened that chris ash might be a candidate to return to Ohio State, where he was the co-defensive coordinator on the national championship team in 14 and again in 15 before going off to become the head coach at Rutgers. Uh, would you say that is accurate, or how how would you size that up? Um, I would say 
there was hope among the fan base and obviously the the connections made sense with with Chris Ash you know being here before he went to Rutgers and things like that I don't know if there were ever any conversations in fact it would surprise me a little bit Ohio State kind of went away from from Chris Ash's style of defense this this past year and and that was part of the reason they hired Greg Madison um, from Michigan and Jeff Halfley from uh, the 49ers was to kind of install this this newer defense um, that Ryan Day wanted to run that that these guys had worked with before and and Chris Ash with you know the press man um, stuff that he likes to do is is, is just kind of a, a different approach than than what uh, Ryan Day wanted out of his defense so from what he said you know Ryan Day said he he wants to he will hire somebody to continue to run that type of defense I don't know if it would have made sense to approach uh, Chris Ash even even with the Ohio State connections previously. But uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly you know made sense as a as a at least rumored candidate. Um, I just don't know if it went much further than that. Pat, what uh, for Texas fans who are you know curious about Chris Ash? Yeah. Uh, based on your experience with him there at Ohio State, what can fans expect? Uh, I, I I would imagine that this defense will will get turned around pretty quickly because he did. A very good job of that at Ohio State, as you mentioned, the 2014 National Championship year. Um, the year before, Ohio State's defense was uh, was a bit suspect for you know Ohio State standards, and they came in. Um, you know, you 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 need the right type of cornerbacks. You need cornerbacks that can play on an island. You need guys that can cover. Like I said, it's it's a lot of press man. Um, you need you know the the defensive front that can get pressure um, without a, a ton of blitzing. They'll they'll mix in some stuff. But, uh, you know, at a place like Texas, obviously recruiting, you, you can get those guys. Um, you know, maybe I'm not as familiar with the Texas you know, roster and, and who's coming back and whatnot. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure he will identify guys that, that can play that system um, and, and get things moving in the right direction. I think Chris is a, a really good defensive coach. Um, you know, I think maybe his reputation has been tarnished a little bit because of the lack of success at Rutgers as a head coach. Um, but Rutgers is, as many people have, have found out, is a hard place to, to be a head coach um, in recent years. And I think, you know, this is a great opportunity for Chris, a great opportunity for Texas um, to get that defense kind of back to the level everyone expects it to be. You know, they're, they're going to, uh, they're going to, you know, really challenge these, these kids um, and work hard. I think that's another thing, you know, they they turned it around because of the hard work they put in in that offseason between the 2013 and 2014 season. And, uh, you know, I think Tom Herman obviously was involved with the Ohio State staff then, saw how Chris Ash worked with these guys, what he did um, to get that defense moving in the right direction. And, and that's the expectation, I imagine, uh, down in Austin. Um, how was Chris Ash as a recruiter? Good, very good, um, from my understanding. I mean, Ohio State has, you know, had a – a number, you know, if you look across the NFL at, at defensive backs, there's quite a few Buckeyes. Um, you know, I mean, just the New Orleans Saints alone, I think there's three or four uh, in their starting secondary. So, and those are all guys that that Chris Ash either recruited or or coached um, while he was in Columbus. So, you know, he he was he was very very good on the recruiting trail. Um, identified the right type of corners, as I mentioned, to fit into. Uh, the defense they want to play. And, and then, you know, once they got on campus, it was about coaching them up and, and making sure that, that they live up to that potential. And I think Ohio State is still, you know, kind of paying, uh, paying dividends from that. Um, you know, Jeff Okuda, 
um, Sean Wade or guys that at least Chris Ash, I believe, if I remember correctly, was involved in early on um, identifying and recruiting uh, Jeff Okuda out of Texas. So, uh, yep. you know, he will uh, he'll certainly, like I said, get the get get the right type of guys to fit that defense. Um, you know, it's a he's a coach that I think guys, you know, defensive guys like playing for because of the the style they play it. You know, it certainly suits them to, to move on to the next level. And he obviously has, you know, that pedigree to say, look, this is what we did at Ohio State. Look at where these guys are. You know, he was at Arkansas and Wisconsin before, and, and both of those defenses were drastically improved while he was there. And um, I, at least in, from the Wisconsin standpoint, I know they put guys in the NFL. Um, I imagine Arkansas as well. So, you know, there's certainly a, a track record that he can lean on. And uh, he was very good at Ohio State in terms of a recruiter. Talking to Pat Murphy of Bucknuts.com. And Pat, how how does Ohio State, how do fans, how is Tom Herman viewed um, from, you know, from the Ohio State vantage point? Because there's been so much weirdness, right, with yeah. with him and Urban and and then, you know, Zach Smith. And right. So what what's your sense of how Herman is viewed? It's weird because when he when when Tom Herman left for Houston. You know, everybody was was very appreciative. Obviously, they won the national championship um, in in 2014, and and that was the springboard to get him his head coaching job. So, there was a there was a lot of uh, a lot of love for that Houston program that those that first year or so. I think Buckeye fans were you know kind of followed that from afar, and you know when he went to Texas. But the Zach Smith stuff really changed that, and you know we could do a whole show probably <laughs> discussing that whole thing, but. I don't know if we need to, to rehash, but um, yeah, I think that at least reports that, that Tom Herman was involved in outing the, the Zach Smith situation really s- turned some uh, Ohio State fans a- against him. I think there are certainly a, a portion of the fan base, at least, that has enjoyed watching him, you know, I don't want to say completely struggle, but certainly not meet expectations in Austin. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because it did change so quickly and, you know, there, there's never been anything confirmed that, that Tom Herman or his wife had anything to do with, with the Zach Smith stuff. Um, you know, maybe they did, maybe they did. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it really matters. Um, you know, but definitely there are fans out there from the Ohio state side of things that, you know, believe that and, uh, have kind of turned against, (laughs) turned against Tom Herman, despite what he did in his time in Columbus. Um, okay. Do you think urban Meyer is going to be the next coach of the Cowboys or where do you think he surfaces? And then I'll ask you for a prediction for the, uh, uh, the semifinal, the, the Buckeyes semifinal in the college football playoff. All right. Urban. Um, that's, that's, it's funny. We were you know talking about this last night with some of the other media members, um, after we got into to Arizona you know, I, I don't see him as a professional head coach. I think he, uh, you know, the control of being a, a major college head coach is, is something he needs, um, you know, and, uh, unless he goes somewhere where he can be GM and, and head coach. But I don't even know if you could do that. That's so much responsibility in the NFL. Um, you know, does he coach in college again? It would not surprise me especially if the right opportunity comes along. It's, he's such a type A personality. You know, coaching is what he does. It's in his blood. Um, I've said it from the beginning. I can't imagine that you know, his Fox show and, and a few other things that he's done since retiring will, will fill that need long term. Um, so 
you know, it would not surprise me if he takes another coaching job. I do think it has to be the right one. I know for certain that he, you know, values his reputation with Ohio State fans. And I think that stems from the way everything ended at Florida and kind of how he's viewed down there now. And I don't think he wants that to, to be the case with Ohio State. I you know, told a friend of mine during the football season when he asked about, you know, if he was going to, if I thought he would take the USC job that, you know, I thought that made a lot of sense except I thought it was too close to him retiring from Ohio State. If that job comes open in, in two years or so after there's been some time and you know, it's, he's gotten his health and, and everything together, then uh, you know, I could see something like that. Um, I mentioned earlier that there's a quality control coach from Ohio State who might leave. That's actually Urban's son-in-law. Um, and one of the reasons that he's, he's stayed in Columbus with his wife, Shelly, was because they have grandchildren here. Well, now, though, it's likely that they're moving out to Colorado um, where Corey Dennis is likely to become a quarterback's coach for Colorado State. So there's really you know, not a ton that's, that's tying Meyer to um, Columbus and, and Ohio State. He does work as an assistant athletic director for the university, but um, if a coaching job came open, I'm, I'm sure he could get out of that that they wanted to take. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, it would not, like I said, it would not surprise me to see him on the sideline again at some point. You know, he's you know, in his early 50s, which for head coaches is, is certainly not old. And it's, it's, it's his, it's his everything. I mean, you know, it's that and family. And those are the two things that, that kind of drive him. And so, um, you know, he seems to be having a good time with, with the Fox show and does a good job with that. And every time we've seen him, he does seem to be happy, but I can't imagine that he just, you know, stays away from it for, for the rest of his life, but we'll see. Pat, um, what does this Ohio state Clemson semifinal come down to? How do you think it turns out? <sighs> This is it's a really interesting one for me. I've I've spent the last few weeks since Ohio State got done with the Big Ten championship game watching Clemson, and it's it's just hard to hard to get a real read on the Tigers just because of of their schedule. You know, if the most difficult team they played was probably Texas A and M, their closest game was obviously the North Carolina game where they almost were upset, and you know it's just hard to tell. You know, you know that they're talented players, but you know they're also playing teams that, that aren't in their same league. Um, well, they are in their league, but uh, not in their same talent bracket. So it's, it's tough to get a read. I think that you know, the, the key to this game will be um, in the trenches, as always. Um, I think that you know, if, if Ohio State, who struggled at times pass blocking against teams that, that you know, can really get after them, and, and Clemson can certainly do that, Brett Venables... Is, does a great job of, of mixing blitzes and coming from different angles. And I think that'll be interesting to see how Ohio State handles that. Um, they have to figure out a way to handle that. They can't have Justin Fields running for his life, especially because he's on a somewhat injured knee. Um, th- his health will be key, too. He's had you know three weeks now to, to recover a little bit after he got dinged up against Penn State, uh, the second-to-last game of the season. So that'll be key. And then on the other side of the ball, how does Ohio State – uh, you know, defend Clemson's passing attack. They like to take shots downfield with Trevor Lawrence and, and these receivers that are, you know, 6'4 and, and whatnot. Ohio State hasn't seen anything like that this year. Um, we mentioned Jeff Okuda and Sean White earlier, both very good cornerbacks, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll need to, to play one of their better games of their careers against these guys. Um, obviously, we, we saw the emergence of, of Justin Ross last year in the college football playoff and, and whatnot. So those are the key things to me. Ohio State also has to tackle well, something they didn't do um, nearly as well as they did most of the season at the end of the year. You know, guys like Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, you know, if, if you're not tackling him, he's he's gonna he's gonna be gone 
And uh, yeah, so that'll be key. I haven't made an official prediction yet. We don't do that till, towards the end of the week, but I keep going back and forth. Today I woke up and you know I'm I'm thinking I picked Clemson in a close one, but you know, that could change by the end of the week. I, I I you know it's it's just like I said it's just tough to call. Um, I, I probably would say Clemson by two or three points, but uh, you know I I could really see it going the either way just depending on on how things play out but if you if you want a prediction now I'll, I'll say Clemson by a, a few points yeah it's it's going to be an unbelievable game these two teams have just yeah. been monstrous um Pat really appreciate the conversation man it's uh it's always fun to talk football with uh with y'all at Bucknuts because you do such a great job and Ohio State's been such a monster program obviously Tom Herman trying to to lift the Texas program up and get it going in that direction. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch as uh, Tom Herman's search for an offensive coordinator uh, continues. And, and Merry Christmas. Uh, enjoy Arizona. And, uh, and we'll be in touch. Awesome. Sounds good. Anytime you need anything, let me know. All right. There he is. Pat Murphy, Bucknuts.com. You're listening to the flagship podcast. All right, great stuff with Pat Murphy there of Bucknuts.com. That Ohio State-Clemson game is going to be one for the ages. You kind of get the feeling whoever wins that game is going to go on to win the national championship. But this is this is going to be a really fun playoff. All right, Taylor, as, uh, as we mentioned with Bobby, we're at the end of a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, I mentioned in there that our... Our members at Horns 24-7 might want to get some stiff eggnog <laughs> ready for our all-decade team when it comes out on Christmas. Yeah. It was kind I of a tough decade. It has been. I mean, that's one thing that Texas fans get to look forward to is it's over. Like, this decade right. is over. It started off with 5-7 and seven, and then, my goodness, years that followed. But, you know, it's, it's only... <laughs> I, I shouldn't say this because knock on wood on this one, but it should only go up from here, I would think, at this point. Right. Three this... coaches in the in that decade. That's that's crazy. Um, the turnover, the athletic directors. I mean, this was a rough patch. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, there are times where you're like, oh, that was a really good experience. We learned a lot. I don't think we learned a lot about no. anything other than dysfunction. Exactly. Instability is what people learned a lot about yeah. in the last 10 years with the Texas football program and Texas athletics, a lot of it as a whole. But I mean, my goodness, Chip, how many, how many assistant coaches have you and I covered oh in the God. last 10 years? Dozens. Like, I don't even want to start listing the amount of them. Right. And it's going to continue to change. I mean, this is... Still, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I know, you know, before you had mentioned on the podcast a couple episodes ago that Crystal Kane doesn't, Texas doesn't need crazy town. It's like Texas has been in crazy town for quite right. a little bit of time now. Right. And he's trying to put up a roadblock, you know, yeah, like, like no more crazy town. <laughs> and I, I would say at the end of the decade, you know, Bobby and I talked a little bit about how realignment kind of helped usher in this mm -hmm. decade and and maybe we we're, we're going toward an expanded playoff here uh at the beginning of the next decade but 
for Texas fans, I would say I think the leadership is finally solid. Like, you know, I think Greg Fenvis, Chris Del Conte. Del Conte did not hire Shaka Smart. He did not hire Tom Herman. But his M.O. is to support his coaches, give them what they need, and then then they have to go do it. Right. And I think we've seen that with Shaka Smart, with the hiring of Luke Yaklik and Andrea Hooty to come in um, to help him. And and then for Tom Herman, he's getting to to reset the staff after year three. And and these hires are going to make or break Tom Herman's tenure at Texas. And and Chris Del Conte is trying to support you know, these coaches, again, who he did not hire. Right. And there's a lot on the line. $760 million worth of facility upgrades. A new basketball arena has broken ground. A $388 million basketball arena that will open probably in January of 22. The football renovation at DKR will be done before the 21 season. And there's a lot of folks who've pledged a lot of money to help take Texas into uh, the modern era of facilities. So um, there's a lot on the line here. And, and I think it's exciting. I mean, it's this past decade was a lot of stops and starts and starts and stops, a lot of false hope. I mean, we had a year ago, Sam Ellinger saying Longhorn nation, we're back. And, and it felt like it it was happening. It felt like, that was the right thing to say at the right time, only a year later to be looking for two new coordinators, which is really disappointing. So um, I say good riddance to that decade. And let's drink some Jell-O cups. (laughs) For sure. How's that sound? Sounds great. I feel like after, after this last decade, I mean, it's like, you know, you and I joke about this. It's like football season. I feel like you age in dog years. Like it's just, my goodness, it's just, you know, it's, it's a great time, but it's a beat down. And to include that beat down with the last 10 years of Texas football. I mean, that's all I know of my career, Chip. Think about this. Like this I know. Poor thing. We got to get you, we gotta get you <laughs> on the upside of this thing. Cause I do love football season. I mean, I love it. It's, it goes so fast. It's unbelievable to me, but it, I love it. And to me, it's Christmas and it's just so disappointing compared to the first decade of the two thousands, right? The golden era of Texas athletics, the baseball national championships, the final four for Rick Barnes, Mac Brown winning a national championship playing for another. It was unbelievable. And, and you were a student when that stuff was happening yeah. And now as a professional, you've had to cover, well, it's like when the Longhorn Network launched. Yeah. It's that was since, my first season. Yeah. On the beat, I think. Yeah. Since the Longhorn Network launched, it has nothing to do with the Longhorn Network. It's just pure timing coincidence. Although I'm sure some of our members and over 24 seven think the Longhorn Network is the kiss of death, but really <laughs> the double word of death. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, how have we not talked about this, by the way? I know. <laughs> I know. I was just telling the story about, remember, you guys remember, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, Tom, 
None of us believe that story, but okay. Keep, keep, uh, continue. <laughs> birds. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the double birds. Uh, We've but, gone oh, like an yeah, hour. Another, another reason to say goodbye to this decade. Wave the uh, double birds away, y'all. Wave yeah, it away. Yeah, let's, let's, let's give double birds to this past decade. Yes, um, exactly. In the rearview mirror. In the rearview mirror. But um, <laughs> no, onward and upward. I, I will say that... Um, because you and I have, I've, you know, been around a ton longer than you have. But in the last decade, we've seen a lot of change in our business. And I have to say, I feel as good about the direction of 24-7 sports under Shannon Terry and Bobby as I've felt about anything in our industry in the, in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because I was a part of newspapers with the Dallas Morning News and watched that model crumble. And so I left and went online and was very thankful that I made that move. But when I look at who's really putting in money, effort, and vision into what our industry is, it's it's 24-7 sports, CBS Sports Interactive and... I am really excited about that as we embark on this next decade. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, we've been at a lot of different networks together even too and apart. And it's, uh, you know, I can honestly say that for the first time in my career, there feels, or, and it has been this way since we've, you know, merged with 24-7, but the direction is always so clear. And it, it, I mean, these guys are the, the monsters of the industry. So you don't question anything that they do. You know, it's like the things they touch really just turn into a positive and it's so exciting to be a part of it. And plus our team, I think at Horns 24 seven right now is the strongest that it's ever been. You know, it's, um, just from top to bottom. I think we all complement each other really well. So I'm really excited to, uh, hopefully be covering better football teams with y'all in the future, but in the next decade, Yes. (laughs) That is, that's what we need. Come on, Tommy boy. You got to help us out here, buddy. Let's Come on. <laughs> Come on, Tommy boy. Um, all right. Good stuff. Yes. And everything I, the thing about 24 seven is analytics. Everything is tested before they, they bring it to the market or ask us to, to do something. And that is, that's what you love. You know, you know what you're bringing, um, is what the audience wants. And, and so we're excited. We're excited. Horns 24 seven members. And again, start the new decade with an annual membership so that you get the maximum benefits of all, uh, the 24 seven sports network access, VIP access to all the team sites. And of course, um, you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting us. Yeah. What more all, could the you <laughs> yeah. all the time. All the time. So with that, Taylor, go drink some eggnog <laughs> or some Jello cups, and let's uh, let's get together next week, probably from San Antonio. Yes, sir. As we uh, we will have episode thirteen at that point, but for now, episode twelve, the twelve days of Christmas. We say Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm 
citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.